You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Yes, we're grateful. Thank you so much. Because we know that we are dearly and deeply loved by you. I pray for that person who's burdened. I pray for that one who has come with a heart of guilt and shame. I pray for that one who feels unworthy, who feels that the reason why things are happening is because of the things that they have done. I've, I'm asking this morning, dear God, that eyes be open to see. I ask this morning, Father, that your wisdom be revealed. Let light shine over every dark heart, every burdened heart in the name of the Lord Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you would transform everyone here today, Lord. We will be changed because you are here, because you love us, and because you have prepared a table for us. And it's a table, it is a feast of fat things, and we have come to receive from you, to receive your wisdom, that your light would flood our hearts and illuminate our lives, leaving us whole, leaving us healed, leaving us delivered, leaving us transformed and changed. And we will not only just receive your word, Father, we would leave your word, we will do your word. We will run with the instructions that you are revealing to us. Thank you, dear God, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. If you love the Lord, put your hands together and celebrate him. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so let's get into the word. Uh, multimedia, please, can you extend this by about five minutes? Thank you. Okay, so uh, today we're talking about how to make great decisions. And I guess someone is wondering, wow, that doesn't necessarily sound like a regular church uh, message. One of the things that we're mindful of is the fact that um, it's the start of a new year, and one of the things we typically do, in fact, we spoke about it in December, on the need to plan, to plan for the year, plan for the next two, the next five, the next 10 years, to write out goals, um, make plans, essentially. God is a planner. And we see how, um, throughout the scriptures, you see confirmation of plans that he had made. Uh, you see a big strategy unfolding, uh, and you know things happening that point to the fact that it, it wasn't just you know, had ad hoc thinking. It was strategic planning that brought things to bear. Okay, so the average adult makes about, this is according to research, about 35,000 um, random decisions, you know, remotely conscious decisions on a daily basis, about 35,000. That's a whole lot of decisions you're making. From what to eat, what to wear, what color, what shade, your lip liner, your lip gloss, you know, what, how you color, color blocking, that's for the women, for guys, what belt, what shoe, what car to drive, what, there is stuff, You're, you keep making decisions on a daily basis. Some of these decisions you're not even very conscious of. I'm sure a few people, I want to assume it's not a lot, but a few people may have struggled today with what dress to wear to church. You know, trying to arrange your wardrobe and just figure out what am I, what, what am I, and some people are already chuckling. You know that's you. Um, we will 
for as long as we're humans, we would always need to constantly make decisions. But today, our focus is on the plans that we've made, okay? And getting those plans off the ground, just in case you haven't gotten started with them. And how do you ensure that those goals don't stay on paper? Those goals become action, you know, um, actionable items that um, end up in results, the desired results that produce the desired outcomes that you want. Okay? So we see in scripture that one of the names of Jesus, interestingly, and which was also a, a symbol of his office or, or speaks to um, his responsibility as well, is seen in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, he's called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But today we're focusing on Jesus as counselor, you know, and he does that in this day and age by the help or through the help of the Holy Spirit um, in the lives of believers. So counsel is extremely important to our decision-making process. We'll go into other areas of it. And just in case you've seen on our social media page that today is tagged four questions. We're only going to go into one of the questions today. Next week, we'll go into the remaining three. But I want to speak about um, or refer us to the scriptures about someone who obviously was a counselor and was a very great friend of uh, David, the king in the scriptures, um, Aitofel. Now, he's very popular uh, some people may not even know where in the scriptures you've encountered him, but I'm sure the name does ring a bell, right? Because when you're trying to play, pray for uh, foolish counsel for your enemies or the people that are waging war against you, we are very quick to reference brother Aitofel. But Aitofel is not a foolish man, apparently. He wasn't a foolish man. He was actually a very wise man who was a counselor to David. And we know the kind of person David is, right? I don't think that he will surround himself with uh, a buffoon. Uh, obviously, the guy delivered when it came to counsel, which was why he was very worried by the time Aitofel teamed up with his son Absalom to plot his, um, you know, to overthrow him and take over the kingdom. That got him extremely worried. It was because Aitofel's counsel was literally like bullseye. So when he says something, he almost would um, pan out that way. He was just kind of the kind of special advisor that you want to have in your space. Okay? And uh, we see how he would send his friend, Ushai, to Absalom to go and position himself there just so he can counteract um, Aitofel's counsel to his son. But beyond that, he also then prays. And that's the prayer we are all very familiar with. Um, asking God to turn Aitofel's counsel into foolishness. All right. Another reference that I want to make here when it comes to decision making. So I've spoken about, um, you know, having the right people who you're getting counsel from. We'll talk about that in detail as well. But let's look at the life of Esau. We see that he's very well known for, I mean, let me just ask you guys and those of you watching online. When you hear Esau, what comes to mind? Yeah? Food. Okay, someone says food. What else? Porridge. Thank you. What else? Sold is birthright. Exactly. Any other thing? Sorry? Harry. Thank you. Harry. Exactly. The hairy one. Yeah, you all are so correct. Um, 
so that's essentially who Esau is. But another thing that the Bible then adds to that, we see it in the book of Hebrews, is profanity. You know, so when you think about a profane person, Esau was used as an example of a profane person. And let's see that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 14 to 17, but I will read the latter part. It says, um, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one muscle of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So Esau was a profane person, um, referred to as a profane person. And what, who is a profane person? Someone who is irreverent, who doesn't necessarily um, obey or abide by the laws that are binding, um, especially when it comes to, um, you know, worship and, and um, religion and things like that, is why he, he's referred to as a profane person. Doesn't that make you wonder, how does a family have to... You know, very, very different people. So hairy, not hairy, man of the fields, man of the tents, um, cooks a mean game or, well, shoots a mean game. This one is a homeboy. That's a, uh, what, what's the name of his brother? Jacob. Yeah. The other one is a, is a homebody and likes to cook and all of that stuff. And we see how um, Esau would just out of hunger go ahead to sell his birth, birthright. Which, in those times, yeah, was a big deal. The position and the role of the first, but just in case you've ever wondered, why was it such a big deal? Why, I mean, why, why did the, the Bible have to make such a big deal about the fact that he sold his birthright? Because the position of the firstborn then was very, very critical. And the birthright was a way to ascertain, um, you know, that you're coming into certain types of inheritance as the firstborn. Okay, we, I mean, we'll do that study in a bit more detail once we start Bible study from next month. Um, but just for the benefit of today, we see how he obviously exchanges his birthright for a plate of food. And we're very quick to judge him. But the question is, what decisions have you made or are you making or did you make last year that looks like you sold your birthright for a plate of food? It might not even be as mundane as a plate of food because in your mind's eye, it was a big deal as at the time you were parting with it. And for, for different people, it means different things. For some, you have come into a relationship that you know, deep down in your heart, you shouldn't be in. But you have done this because you, you, you've, you've justified or proven to yourself that it's okay. It's okay to be in this type of toxic relationship it's okay to be in this type of abusive relationship uh well because the person really cares there are other ways that he shows that he cares or there are other ways she she shows that she cares you know and relationship is even just one aspect for some it's business relationships and um, you've come into certain types of partnerships that you know you shouldn't be in for some you have sold your birthright as it were you have forsaken um, who you are in Christ, your values, your fundamentals. You have turned, you know, turned aside from the straight and narrow and you have entered into certain things that you have been able to prove to yourself, well, it's not such a big deal. It's only for a short while. Here was um, Esau saying to himself, look, I'm really hungry, I'm famished. If I don't eat right now, I'm going to die. Do you really think he would have died? Absolutely not. He exaggerated his situation, as we often do. All of us, we do that. We exaggerate our situation. We make it look like, oh, if I don't do this, the world is coming to an end. 
My life will, will, will finish if I don't make this decision. This is the only choice I have. Have you ever heard anybody say that to you? This is the only choice. This is the only option I have. And as such, I'm taking it. And so this morning, part of, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the objectives of, of this message is to get us to soul search and to reflect on decisions we have made in the past, to cost correct from those decisions this year. And as we have made goals, to begin to prayerfully consider the necessary action and um, decisions to support the achievement of those goals. Okay? Um, goals are not enough. By themselves, they are not sufficient. It's not enough to say, um, if I ask you to bring out your goal list or your, you, you know, your resolution book, for those of you who journal, you will see a long list of things you want to do that you want to lose weight, you want to be fit, you want to, what? Okay. Start talking, guys. You know those things you put down. Share. You can share the not very private ones with us. What else? You want to buy a car? You want to marry? Yes. Oh, Falabi wants to marry. <laughs> okay, so what else? Learn a language. Thank you. And you know, the list goes on. Some people, by the end of this year, you want your net worth to be like 50 million. Hmm. Some people, you want to relocate. That's your goal. Yes, you want to relocate. That's all you are after this year. That's a big goal for you. I just want to be out. I want to japa. That's it. Nothing else, you know. But whatever it is that you have written down there, okay, what are your plans and what steps are you taking towards achieving these goals, okay? Um, some of the things to consider is, the, one, of, one of the things to consider is the fact that you're not the only person impacted by the decisions you're going to make. You are not the only person impacted by the decisions that you're going to make, okay? Or your regrets. When it comes to decision making, I'm sure if we do um, an analysis here, everybody in this room or almost everybody will be able to say one thing, including myself, that you regret not having either followed through on, taking action on, or regretted the kind of action that you took. Okay, now you are not the only person impacted by your decisions. And I want to remind us about a story, a very popular story in the scriptures. Um, I think it's in Genesis, is it 39? Anyway, it's the story of um, Amnon, Amnon and Tamar. First of all, we see how he gets counsel. Now, Am Am Amnon, yes, is um, David's son. Okay, so technically he's a prince. But we see how a wrong decision that he took impacted someone else negatively. And so this is just to buttress the fact that the decisions that you take have the propensity or the, the potential to either make someone else better or hurt someone else. We, and in that particular story, Amnon and Tamar, Tamar was his sister, his stepsister, who he was so obsessed about, you know, I mean like, one, you are the prince. Two, there have got to be other fine girls in the kingdom that you can pick and choose from. But it had to be your sister that you were very crazy about. Isn't that the devil at work? I'm sorry, but really. And you were so obsessed that you talked to a friend about it. Which brings me to my next question. Who are you seeking counsel from? We've spoken about Aitofel and David. And of course, by extension, Aitofel and Absalom. Who is in your squad? 
Who are you associated with? Where are you getting counsel from? Because Amnon goes and speaks to some dumb friend, Jonadab, who then says to him, oh, just pretend that you are ill and request specifically for her. See how a decision and a plot just destroyed the life of that young lady. What happened to her eventually, guys? For those of you who are familiar with the scripture, what, what happened to her? Yeah, she got raped. Then what happened? She never married. She never married. You know, and it's very, very important that this year we're very mindful of the kind of decisions that we're making and its impact on others, okay? Your family members, your siblings, your parents, uh, for those of us who are married and have kids, you know, your spouse, your children, uh, you run a business or you are a part of an organization, what decisions or a part of a team, you lead a team, what decisions are you making that will affect your team members, that would affect your company, you know, as the CEO of a company or of a business, what decisions are you making that would affect negatively your company or propel your company forward, push your, for, your company forward in achieving the goals that have been set, okay? Um, and as a people, as Nigerians, what decisions are we making that can affect our nation, that can affect our immediate sphere of influence within our nation or can affect our community? And of course, if there are people here who are in government or in positions of authority in the government, what decisions are you making that can affect you know, the outcomes of, of, of people's lives and realities in this nation? Now, just some random questions. What if your parents gave birth to you in the US? or sent you to another school? Just things to think about. What if you were born outside of Nigeria? Do you think your lot would have been any different in life? <laughs> you were born in Canada. Let me help the Canadians. <laughs> the, the people that believe in Canada, Canada by faith and by force. What if you were born in Canada? No, but think about it. If Falabi was born in Canada, wait now, <laughs> before you start to receive it, but we will not have you here. There's a very high likelihood that you will not be here. That we will not know you wouldn't have met you at the Life Point Church. You know, you probably will be ministering with Hillsong. <laughs> you are just saying amen. Falabi, really? You know, but I, I, I mean, guys, let's think about it. What if you didn't go to the school that you went? And let me give you a personal example. If I didn't school in Nigeria, because I was supposed to school um, for my uni, I was supposed to school abroad, but I offended my father, and I mean, that's a story for another day. And yeah, that line got withdrawn. But I went, I went to University of Lagos, and I remember just being at a program. So there was this guy that liked me in my class, yeah, but he never said, he didn't shoot his shots. He was, I just thought he was just a good guy. You know when you just have all those very nice guys around you, he would do anything for you you know, make your life very easy, but he was saying nothing. I just thought it was my brother in the Lord. <laughs> Apaz, he had interests, you know, but he never said anything. He was talking to the wrong people. He was talking to other people. He wasn't talking to me. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that I would never have dated him anyway, but no, 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 no. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, guys, guys, hear me out. I don't mean that in a bad way. What it is, is I would not. I kind of, I've always liked Dating older people, that's it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone out with my school, my classmates. That's the summary. Anyway, wait now, wait. Can, can you let me finish this story? But 
On this particular day, we're born again then, tongue speaking and all of that, you know. So we're always very excited about the next move of God in town. And so there was a program that was happening by Sister Jumoke Adeno, Awesome Treasures. They were having a, a, a thing for university students. I'd never been there, so he invited me along because apparently he was one of the planners. Or oh, yeah. So I went with him, got there, and then he introduced me to some of his, okay, so if you're not Nigerian or you don't understand, but it's called the Egmons, like his older friends. Who, his main older friend was my husband. Yeah. And so here he was introducing me, oh, this is my friend, blah, blah, blah. And my husband sees me for the first time and pays me a compliment. And we sort of became friends. We started talking and yeah, fast forward, we are married. If I didn't go to, wait now guys, decisions. If I did not study in Nigeria, there's a high likelihood I would not have met my husband. And my husband is an amazing man. I'm so blessed, super blessed. Those of you who know him, super blessed to be married to Adeboale Shionbola, as in I'm, I'm blessed. But if I didn't meet, if I didn't study in Nigeria, there's a high likelihood I would not have heard about Awesome Treasures program or even gone there or, you know, there's a way God arranges our lives. So what decisions are you making now? What decisions are you making now that have, you know, an impact on your future? How are you posturing and positioning? Okay, so let's refocus. <laughs> Amen. All right, so if, you were, if your parents were more educated, for example, or they had a better marriage, you know, or they refused to divorce, for those whose parents are no longer together, do you think that uh, the outcomes of your life... Now, I'm, I'm asking us to review the impact of other people's decisions on our lives, okay? Even though how we react to those decisions is then another thing. But at least just thinking about it, if your parents were still together, if they weren't separated, do you think you would have turned out a better person? Do you think you would have made faster progress? Do you think you would have had a happy childhood? Do you think you would not have been molested by, you know, that, that relative just because your mom didn't have time to, you know, be with you at home? She had to work two jobs and, you know, there's a way we can continue thinking about the effect of other people's decisions while also being mindful of the effect of our own decisions on others. Okay, so another question, what if your ex didn't leave you? Ah, if, if, my, if one of my exes did not leave me, I would be the most miserable of women. If I was married to him, and I, I'm not shading him, but it's the truth. So what if your ex didn't leave you? What if, now let's, let's, let's talk about the nation. What if, I mean, we are all familiar with what's going on now with, um, in the US. And now that Uncle Trump, they say, come and be going. He say he's not going. By force, by force, is his birthright and all of that stuff. Imagine that, just imagine that, you know, about four or five years ago, when um, the current government came into power, if President Goodluck Jonathan chose to behave like Uncle Trump, what do you think would have happened on the nation? There would have been a war, possibly, you know. So, impact of decisions. And then what if the mystery man the man, he who must not be named, that we don't know, did not authorize, you know, the soldiers at the Lekki Toll protest. Didn't deploy them, or authorize them to use life ammunition. What if that didn't happen? I think some of those guys who died would still be alive today. Impact of decisions, guys. So private or personal decisions 
sometimes have public outcomes and we need to be very mindful of that. So when we say things like, it's my decision, it's none of your business, your friends are trying to speak sense into your head and, you know, reset your head. And you're saying, it's not your business, it's my life, I want to live it. They're trying to help you. Maybe you step back and listen again, okay? Now, your response to other people's decision, now, let's talk about response here, is also a decision. How you respond, how you react to people's decisions is very important. So I've spoken about some possibly negative occurrences that may have happened in the course of you growing up or just living your life. But how you handled decisions, the poor decisions made by your parents or the very fantastic decisions they made, you know, whatever it is, or your, your, a failed relationship, a failed business relationship or business arrangement, how you respond to those is also very important because there is a way that it can set you up. Have you noticed or seen people, maybe you have friends, who have just not been able to move on from a past relationship? So much so that every new relationship they get into, they keep benchmarking against their ex. And those people just, the new guys just never, they, they never qualify. They never qualify. They are still stuck in their past. Scripture says, do not consider the former things. Forget the things that are behind. Behold, I do a new thing. God is set to do a new thing in our lives this year. If only we will permit him. Your decision has got to be embracing and receiving all that God has prepared for you. Regardless of where you are coming from. Sometimes we do ourselves great disservice when we choose to stay in the effects of our past experiences. We refuse to move from there. And so a lot of times these things are very subconscious. It's not because you don't want to be happy, but you, just, you are struggling to come out of that, to come out of the outcomes or the effects of, of a, a past decision, a past action that you may even have taken. It may not even be you know, the action or decisions of others. It is possibly your own you know, action that you have taken and has gone south. It's, it's brought forth a terrible outcome and you have stayed stuck in there. This morning I declare in the name of the Lord Jesus that we're coming out. We're coming out in Jesus' name. We will, we, the, the chains of the past um, that have held us down are broken in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, your ability to respond is your superpower. You've got to respond with wisdom. You've got to respond with sense. A lot of times we react, and the reactions are typically negative. When you react to, uh, you know, a decision that has been made on your behalf, so for example, your boss yells at you. You don't like your boss. If I, one, of, one of my, I have a friend, you know, who I said to a younger friend that, look, when she gave me the details of her, the, I mean, the reason for her exiting her job, I said, okay, I was in a better place. Because I thought if it was anything like, oh, they said something, I was upset and I carried my bag and left. You know, they've given us a lot of names in we. They've given us a lot of names in this generation. Microwave generation. Um, we don't know how to delay the gratification. We're very much in a hurry. We want things done and we want it done now. You know, we're not ready to pay the price. We don't enjoy engaging the process and different things like that. And guys, your, your, your decision this year has got to be that you're, you're changing that whole narrative. 
you are becoming that one who's different, who's, who, who's the, uh, the outcomes of your own life are producing different results. Producing different results. You will stay the course, you will not give up because God is on your side strengthening you and, and you know, enabling you to journey in this process. Okay? So, your ability to respond is your superpower. An appropriate response always creates a better path forward. And we see that in the scriptures. Just knowing how to respond, knowing how to handle. Look at, um, what's her name now? Uh, Nabal's wife. What's her name? Abigail. Thank you very much. Abigail. You see how the husband was. Not cool head. But look at the wife. You know, she was wise enough to recognize who David was. And she, she positioned. She, I mean, she didn't go, I'm sure she didn't go with the intention of getting married to David. That wasn't the plan. But she went on behalf of her family to plead his case. I said, look, just disregard him all. She spoke to the king in David. Abigail spoke to the animal in David. And he was going to get an animal's reward. But, um, sorry, Nabal spoke to the animal in David. But Abigail spoke to the king in David. She reminded him of who he was. You are not an animal. You are not a beast. Don't let, you know, the, the, the poor actions and poor decisions, poor judgment of my husband lead you astray into shedding blood that is unnecessary. And we see how that pans out eventually. The man dies and the woman gets won over. She, you know, gets married to David. Okay, so to make better decisions, you must manage your emotions. You cannot be emotional about everything this year. He said something, I'm not doing it again. She said something, you have slapped her. You know, in fact, that one wants to slap like this. Please just take a walk. Just exit, you know, reverse out. Hmm? I know they say we should give people second chances. And Bible says turn the next year. It's not in that case. So please, let's be wise. Okay, because a lot of young women are in toxic relationships, abusive relationships, and that's not shading you guys. I believe that life point men are good men. They are godly men. Yes, they are godly men. They are good men. Uh, properly behaved, well behaved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Tongue talking brothers. Yes. So, please, to make better decisions, manage your emotions. People refuse to do what they consider the wise thing. Because they are unable to manage their emotions effectively. You don't want to be that one who's always, you know, you know, you. Hmm. We will talk about emotions another day. Let's not dwell on that. But always ask yourself, what would you do if no one was there to tell you what to do? What would you do if there was no one watching? What would you do if there was no one to give you counsel? And let me remind you of someone in the scriptures that we see um, whose life showed this to us. Joseph. There was no father and mother around Joseph. There was no elder brother that he could go and say, hey, can you imagine what's going on? Do you know that my boss's wife is shooting shots? She's trying to, you know, get there with me. There was nobody around him. So there may not always be people with you when you need to make decisions. But the outcomes of those decisions, if you make the wrong ones, take the wrong action, the outcomes can be far-reaching. They have far-reaching implications. 
But we see how he handled it. And I love something that Joseph said, which we need to constantly remind ourselves. You know, I mean, for someone here who feels like, eh, yes, I love God, but I don't want to be, there's a way I can sound too churchy. I don't want to be a turn off. I don't, you know. Hey, you need to grow up. I'm sorry if that sounds condescending, but that's not it. It's from a good heart. I love you, but you need to grow up. Where all you are concerned about is how you appear to people and what they think about you, how they perceive you because of the things that you say, you, I don't want to sound to church. Nobody saying say Jesus in every st statement you make or say bless you, God bless you or start calling people brothers and sisters. Absolutely not. But your, the quality of your decisions is very directly related to how much of God you have in you, how much of the spirit of God you have in you. Okay, so we see Joseph here who is doing his work, but somebody loves him and she just can't get her hands and her eyes off him. But he then says to her, look, how can I do this wickedness and sin against God? How can I? He asked the right questions, which brings me to the next point. What questions are you asking presently? He, asked, he didn't ask her, look, so what is in it for me? Okay, so if I do this for you, what is in it for me? He didn't ask her that. He didn't ask her, eh, okay, so how are we going to do it now that your husband will not know? Because sometimes we ask the wrong questions, but we need to propose this year by the Spirit of God that we are asking the right questions. The right questions that would unearth the truth, that will bring forth and reveal the hearts of people to us. So you are in a business partnership. You are trusting that this season you are asking the right questions that will reveal the heart of your partners to you. Or you are about to make a decision. They brought you a proposal for an investment. You are asking the right questions that is showing you if you should proceed or not. Joseph asked the right question. How shall I do this thing? This wickedness and sin against God. And that sort of just changed the whole thing for him because he became more God conscious and God. So every time the woman tried, for as long as she could not answer that question, then there was no point continuing. There was no point even giving it a thought. Okay? So good questions will typically lead to good decisions. Asking the right questions. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall or fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We don't want to be that group of people that at the end of the year, you're sitting back and you're asking, I wish, or you are regretting, I wish I asked more questions. I wish I had, you know, I, and you may think about your life now. You remember those circumstances where you've felt like, I wish I asked more questions. If not, I would have saved myself these premium tears. I wish I asked questions. If not, I wouldn't have taken this job. I wish I asked more questions. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that this year we would ask the right questions. The Spirit of God will lead us. Uh, he will speak through us as we open our mouths to, and we're in situations where we are making life, um, life enabling decisions, where we need to make decisions that are critical to our life and to the outcomes of our, our, our journey and our destinies, that we would ask the right questions in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, the four questions that we're supposed to be considering this, in this uh, series, this two-part series, one is the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? And that's where we're ending today. The other three questions are the consecration question. Is this the will of God for me? The love question. Will this hurt anyone? And the priority question. How important is this matter? How important is this matter? But for today, 
the integrity question, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with God? And am I being honest with others? Let's dwell on that a bit. Am I being honest with myself, with God, and with others? What decisions or what goals have I set that looks like all it has at the end of the day is trying to manipulate someone? What goals have you set that looks like you have discarded God completely from the picture? Are you being honest with yourself? Now, of these three categories of people, yourself, God, and others, who is the easiest person to deceive? Self. Exactly. The easy, you can't deceive God. You so cannot deceive him, just in case anybody here is thinking, I'm, you've been playing it smart with him. No, he has just been merciful. He has been giving you side eye, watching you in 3D. You cannot deceive God. And you actually cannot deceive others. You may be able to fool some, you can't fool all. But you can fool yourself. You can fool yourself when you don't ask yourself the right questions. Okay? So, your dishonesty with yourself or with others would erode your credibility. People never take you seriously as, you know, a person of worth or a person of value. So if you go into a relationship this year, and sorry I'm just a bit fixated on relationships today. It seems like the easiest thing that we, you know, um, I mean, of course, there's business and career decisions that we, we seem to very clearly um, make the correct decisions in that space. But when it comes to relationships, you know, all this whole head and head over heart matter kind of thing, or heart over head matter, you don't, you love, love is blind, you are loving with your emotions, you're not loving with your head, and things like that. All that has to change, guys. It, it needs to change, okay? So you will never get where you need to be except you acknowledge where you are. So I spoke earlier about us being able to deal with where we're coming from so we can move ahead. Deal with the issues of the past so you can move ahead. Okay? So whether you have anger issues, whether you're, you have you're, you've struggled with laziness and just all-around slothfulness, you need to be honest with yourself. If you keep getting fired from jobs, maybe it's not all of those companies that have problems. The HR person there just doesn't like you. Maybe it's not your village people that are at work. You probably are the one who needs to do something about yourself. So sit back and assess your life. Assess yourself. Look at where you're coming from. Look at the you know, reasons they have typically given to you. If it's a function of poor performance, are you even in the right industry to start with? Are you on the right career path? Maybe you're struggling in being able to deliver value because you don't even know what's going on there. You have not taken out time and, you know, put in the work to learning and developing yourself in that space. So this, uh, this, this, today's message should actually propel some of us to begin to consider professional development in certain areas where we're currently lacking in capacity. Your team leader has been giving you over your last two sets of appraisals. It's been the same complaint and you think your team lead is possessed. Maybe just chill. She may be, yeah, maybe a bit possessed, but just chill. And can we look at it? Flip it. If you were in her shoes, will you appraise, appraise yourself any better? Let's think about it. Okay? So, while considering honesty with ourselves, because that's where we're starting from, will I regret this action or inaction? Sometimes we must project ourselves into the future and ask, what are the risks associated with acting or not acting? Some of us have refused to move. You refuse to take an action that you know you should take. Will there be harm? Are we promoting the highest good? Am I being honest? Am I being fair? Or am I just simply taking advantage and manipulating people? 
See, manipulation is witchcraft, and there are scriptures to justify it. But if you're currently, you know, making decisions that are around, hinged around just manipulating someone, the person you're in a relationship with or what, you need to check yourself and make the necessary adjustments, okay? All right, so I want us to say together, I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me uncomfortable. I decide today, I will not lie to myself, even if the truth makes me uncomfortable. Let us pray. Let us pray. Scripture says in Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24, David here would say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Also, Isaiah 11:2 speaks about the sevenfold um, dimension of the Spirit of God that Jesus would function in. One of it is the spirit of counsel. So this morning, I want us to pray and just release our hearts to God and begin to pray for grace to make the right decisions. Remind, you know, just place your goals out again before him. You don't even have to have it here, but you know the things you've written out as, as your goals and, and you're saying to God, Lord, I'm taking the necessary action required. Where I need to cost correct, I'm making the right adjustments. In the name of Jesus, I am resetting where I need to reset. In the name of the Lord Jesus, where I've had my priorities and my motives wrong. Lord, today I am making the necessary adjustments. In the name of Jesus, that same spirit of counsel that Jesus, you know, had and functioned in, I receive it today. I receive the spirit of counsel. In the name of Jesus, I function with wisdom. I function with wisdom this year. I will not be led astray. I will not receive negative counsel. Uh, the, I will not receive counsel of foolishness. In the name of Jesus, the people that I need around me, Lord, you are bringing my way. And you are granting me the grace to be obedient to you as your spirit instructs me in the way that I should go. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've prayed. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this morning. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord God, for your light that has been revealed over every area of our lives where we need to make adjustments, where we need to take action, uh, where we need to course correct, where we need to reset. Lord, once again, we place our goals before you. We declare that our plans are in alignment with your will in the name of Jesus. We will not run ahead of you. Father, we will not lag behind you. We will walk in sync with you and we will walk with you this year. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Would you just celebrate Jesus this morning? Thank you all so much for coming to church. God bless you. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.